Hey y'all, if you know me in real life, you know that what you see is what you get. I'm pretty authentic. But you also hear me say how much I love supporting worthwhile causes and people. I feel like support, that's basically where you put your money, is the most powerful tool that the internet has to offer. And it gives you a voice to your dollars. The cool folks at Anchor have made a way for you to support your favorite podcasts, such as Chats from the Blog Cabin. If you're in the U.S., you can visit my podcast profile on desktop or mobile browser to give a little monetary support each month, whatever you can afford, basically. If you do want to donate, it will be greatly appreciated. So go to my page, Chats from the Blog Cabin. You can find my page at anchor.fm backslash Chats from the Blog Cabin. I'll do my best to pay it forward through content and giving back. Welcome to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, your host, and I also own the blog cabin. Today I'm chatting with the husband and wife team of Kenton and Habiba. They have their own YouTube series. Habiba I met several years ago during a blogging wine tasting tour, and Kenton and I have never met in person, but when Habiba asked if I wanted Kenton to join us to chat about biracial relationships, I immediately said yes. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation about life with Kenton and Abiba. And I promise, guys, they are as funny as they are on camera as they are off. Now, guess what I need you to do? That's right. Start listening. chats from the blog cabin today is the first i'm actually being joined by husband and wife team and they're youtubers kenton and abiba tell us a little bit about yourself guys hi melissa hi chats from the blog thank you for having us my name is habiba and i'm kenton she's the youtuber i'm just no, I'm just along for the ride. So no, you're. We're both on YouTube. Okay, we have a channel, Kenton and Habiba. But in terms of who we are individually, my name again is Habiba, and I'm an internal medicine physician, an internist, and content creator. So I make content on YouTube. I have a blog, uh, Habiba to Now MD, and I'm also an artist. So love all things art, Kenton. And I'm her biggest fan, and that's it. <laughs> no, what do you do, Kenton? They want to know what your background is. I, yes. I work, I raise three kids with my lovely wife, and I'm her biggest fan. <laughs> he works in the hospital field, too, or the medical field, in addition to a lot of other things. Oh. But he's kind of shy, you guys, so 
<laughs> You're going to have to bring it out I'm, of him. I'm a background He's person. a quote, background. I'm a background. Okay. Yeah. Explain to me why you did the prison food YouTube video. Oh. <laughs> well, that, 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 was, that was a team building uh, thing. And then, it, it, you know, again, with this whole quarantine, COVID, and you know, you had people complaining that they felt like prison. And I just wanted to share, like, no. I think you have it a lot better than people who are in prison. So let's try to, you know, and also keep things a little light too. It's like try to keep things perspective. So, you know, we have to be grateful and, uh, and be appreciative and thankful for the things that we have and, and not be so quick to, um, you know, discount, uh, especially uh, the blessings that we have. So that's, that's really what it is. It's just a fun way to poke fun at that kind of stuff. I will say I've only met Habiba in real life. I've not met Kenton, but I can tell thoroughly that you are her biggest fan because she talks about how well, how much you support her all the time. So I've got to give you. Oh, I do, do I? Yes, you do. I, I, I want to know it. So because he's one of those husbands that feels he's not appreciated. Well, it's not that. It's just you know, it's not that. It's you know, you're just busy doing things, and then you know, it's not you don't hear those things. Thank you very much, Melissa. Yeah, I will say the very first time I met her, she sung your praises up and down. So I think that was at a wine tasting, right? So she had a little bottles or two. First of all, I don't drink, and I think anyone who is with me realizes I don't really drink. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Not even really drink. I don't drink. But it was a wine tasting, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was all the fumes. Mm -hmm. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about your background. Obviously, you're from two different cultures. So how did you guys get together? Your love story. All right. We'll give you a brief. Go ahead, Ken. You want to? Oh, well, I mean, my, my perspective. Well, we were in college. We met We met in, in college we were, uh, uh, at Cornell University. Um, and so uh, we had mutual friends. Um, uh, and, uh, at Walsh Hall, uh, which is, a uh, at that time, um, uh, all female, uh, dorm and, uh, just hanging out with some friends and, uh, and I, I saw Abiba, um, and, uh, for me, it was, uh, like love at first sight. So I was just, I felt head over heels. Was uh, it really? I said, this is for me. Is this my story? <laughs> For you, for you, probably had, I had, you know, there might have been some negotiations uh, and some some wooing right, and keep talking. Going, keep going. I'm just saying for me. So you know, so yeah, so there was just you know, there, I felt an attraction. I don't know how, you know, how it was. So um, you know, and then it just went from there. We became friends, and you know, we hung out, and you know, and I think that was the thing was having a. Uh, calming understanding of uh, values and respect and stuff like that. And that's, you know, so that's 30 years later. So we're Yeah, here. pretty much. So, yeah, I was a sophomore at the time. Um, and then slight background, I, I grew up in Nigeria. And I guess that's important because the personality or the person that I was when Kenton met me and who I am now are very different or I feel like I've evolved into who I am. Back then I was really shy and very sort of inhibited. And so I'd only been in the United States for about, I think two, three years at most. Uh, so when I met him, you know, dating was not something I was really into or comfortable doing. So he was 
this person that was interesting, I was always attracted to people that I considered other. Um, having grew up myself in a very multicultural background, I never felt completely fully African and I never felt whatever everybody else was. I was always attracted to mixed or other. So when I met Kenton, I was in my friend's dorm room and uh, uh, she came up with a bunch of friends. She had a bunch of her friends in her room. It was all girls dorm. And she had these guys in her room. They were Hispanic. And he kind of blended in with all these Hispanic guys. So at the time in New York, you know, I was comfortable with a lot of Spanish guys. So that's what I thought he was. I really didn't know anything about Asian, you know, or, or well, I guess they don't say the term Oriental. People think no. that's disrespectful. But uh, Asian men in particular, I really wasn't. I hadn't been around them, didn't know anybody Asian per se. I had a girlfriend, uh, Julie, who was from China, international student. But beyond that, I really didn't know anything. There was never an attraction to Asian men, or I never thought there was, because again, I thought he was Hispanic. So we kind of became friends. We had this large group of pre-med friends. We used to go to lunch together. We used to go to dinner together. We used to just do a lot of things, go to the movies together. And then eventually, even when they weren't there, Kenton was there. So I, you know, I was like, hmm, this guy is, is always there with me. And then I, you know, felt really comfortable with him. Um, also at the time, some of my friends I felt were very judgmental because, you know, they thought I was a little weird, if you will. And I, I now take it as, you know, that creative weirdo type vibe. <laughs> and on top of the fact that I was only in the United States for two, three years. So um, they didn't really quite get me. And I always felt that Kenton really, really kind of got me. We could have very intellectual, very in deep conversations about astrology or about whatever I felt like, politics, history, um, I could even broach the idea of whatever, death or uh, I'm trying to think what's that word that guy was using when you die, you reincarnation, things like that. You know, he didn't think it was weird. So we just became really, really good friends. Um, and then he asked me to be his girlfriend. And I remember that was like hella awkward, <laughs> but I, I was happy, but it was awkward. Because again, I wasn't that comfortable at the time. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of how we we were we were always together. So that was my sophomore year of college, and we have always been together since then. Uh, I think my it, I, it, my one hang up was never his race. You know, it was just that that was different culturally, but it was never about race because my family's pretty mixed. His family's pretty mixed. Uh, we always connected. So it wasn't really a race issue. It was more, you know, learning each other's culture. Um, and to be honest, back then, it was more like, okay, I'm used to tall. <laughs> I'm used to tall men in my family. I'm used to tall brothers, tall father. So I remember focusing on, I don't know if this man is tall enough for me to date. <laughs> You know, and I we make jokes about it over the years. It's it's still an ongoing thing, but you know now I don't really see it too much. Stop. <laughs> Stop. So yeah, 
basically. You know what, Habib, you're not the only one. My husband's a little bit shorter than me, too, and we're a multicultural, too. So <laughs> I yeah. think when you're brought up around tall people, you just assume you're going to be married to a tall person. Right. Well, I will say Kenton is, is taller than me. He wants to say he's, what, about an inch, two inches taller, maybe? I don't want to say anything. <laughs> I, just, I just let it go. You just, yeah. You, you got, that's the part of it. You just got to learn what to fight and what to battle and what to let go. So but in I short, can't change that. So. Yeah, but in short, it was never about race or anything really important, like I would say. Because I think the hiking is superficial. Did you get any um, pushback from friends or family members when you guys got together? Well, I think on my side, I think there was some um, level of um, trepidation and concern. I mean, that usually comes around when there's, um, you know, uh, lack of understanding. I think a lot of times pushback comes from fear, you know, fear of the unknown, uh, fear of, um, you know, my mother had um, concerns about how you're going to raise your kids and stuff. And again, this is again in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. So, you, you know, um, you know, uh, the country was still grappling uh, and it still is. Uh, but at that time, you know, interracial marriages, um, uh, you know, were only, you know, approximately 7%, 8% of the country where now, according to the Pew Institute research, uh, it's approximately 17%. Yeah, really? uh, tremendous, uh, yeah, tremendous. Uh, and then also um, in the 80s, only about, you know, maybe 14 to 60% of the population viewed it very favorably, whereas now um, it's actually up to uh, uh, 42% roughly. So it's a, it's a huge change from from the ladies to now in regards to acceptance and, and, and viewing. Because you gotta remember, I mean, legally marrying someone of a different race wasn't legal since 1967. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about really one generation. See, I, I think sometimes what happens, if you see things really more in generations, you'd be like, wait a minute, it's only been, it's actually only been one generation since Loving versus Virginia, that miscegenation laws were overturned by the Supreme Court, right? So it's one generation. So you know that grandma you invite over for Thanksgiving that may have had one too many sweet potato pies and goes off. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, you know, yeah. so that crazy uncle that will start spouting, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, it's not too long ago. So 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 that's why it's still a struggle. But I, you know, again, so it was understandable there's gonna be some level of pushback and, and stuff like that. But I think over time, you know, I think when uh, you know, people open themselves up and, and and see that, you know, that you know what these social constructs are, because that's really what race is, is a social construct, hmm. is is in reality, um, you know, at, at, in the end it's not really who we are in our humanity. Because in the end, that's that's really what it is that binds us. So our fears and dreams, and what we wish for the best for our children and 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 for each other, and and then you also see universality of uh, of all the great faiths that, that 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 we have in the world that we are truly are all the same. So um, yeah. and then and also the thing is to to appreciate differences. It's not to say you don't see differences. I don't agree with that. Where people right. say, well, oh, if we're all the same, then 
there, you know, there's no difference. It's like, no, it's, it's not about not having difference because, you know, just like a garden has all the variety of flowers, even roses are of all uh, different, yeah, right. but like the poet says, but a rose by any other uh, name or smell is still a rose. So same thing. So with people, it's what, how we value the difference. Not saying one is better than the other. It's just that they're unique and, and special. So that's so. Yeah, I mean, from my point, um, I don't think I really ever got any pushback from in terms of race. No, um, no your family's very. No, because we're, uh, we're like I said, we're already pretty mixed, and um, uh, my mother is Caribbean, and her father was actually half white. So, you know, in the Caribbean, they have a sort of saying like that person looks Indian. They use the term Indian because um, I guess to denote black people that happen to look whatever the stereotype is of Indian. So that's how I would describe my grandfather and maybe even my mother, would you say? Because most people would say, oh, she looks Indian. Um, so the point is I have aunts that are white. I have extended family from all over the world. So at least on my mother's side, I definitely knew there was never an issue. Um, she was really excited to meet Kenton when she first met you. Um, and then on my father's side, I don't really didn't get a chance to really know how he felt because by that time we were in the United States and my father was still in Africa or in Nigeria, West Africa. Um, and when he first met Ken, <laughs> that was kind of funny. I'll let you tell him, no, but um, that, wasn't that had nothing had nothing to do with race. It was oh, more like just, he just discounted you because you well, were just, just well, a I boyfriend. Mean, you know, it was well, just we don't do that yeah, culturally. Just, yeah, that's a cultural issue. You know, right. that's yeah, boyfriend, girlfriend. You know, you don't. You know, that's it, it's it's you know it's it's just you don't. We just don't we do just that, don't do that. on my yeah. father's, yeah, uh, Muslim, Northern Nigeria yeah, side. There's a lot of, yeah. uh, maybe not as much now, but back then there was a lot of arranged marriage. So you don't pick your spouse. You don't pick who you date. Usually it is set up for you. And so me having a boyfriend and showing my father, here's my boyfriend. He just like turned his head and walked away. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, it's understandable. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm here, I, here I coming. You know, uh, as a meeting for the first time, and you know, I didn't have, I, I you know, I didn't have any goats or, or <laughs> cows to my name. And, Stop! You didn't want no goats or cows. Yeah. Goats. Well, honey, you know, you're worth five hundred heads of sheep. Easy. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're silly. You're silly. Six hundred. All right, six hundred. <laughs> Yeah, you're yeah. silly. Anyway, my dad just like looked at him and walked, shut the door and walked away. But that was years, umpteenth years decades, ago. Decades, decades. Yeah, honestly, because yeah. now when my father came, yeah, now. and he, you guys actually had a decent relationship. Yeah, how I do mean, you like me now, pops? <laughs> <laughs> he actually had a pretty decent relationship. I think he felt comfortable with you. <laughs> well, geez, I'm a little... I'm, grown man now it's not like you know yeah. and, I, and i got one goat now i got so one goat. during your marriage have you ever felt the obviously the prejudice or the racism from the outside world not just from like your people but you know the outside world as far as like if you go in a store and you get the second looks because i know sometimes my husband and i even to this day people double take to make sure we're still like, that we're together 
even if we're holding hands. So. Right, 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 right. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I, I yeah, I, again, we can't, you know, we're not, can't separate ourselves from society. I mean, I think one of the challenges is, is just like what you're talking about, Melissa, is, is dealing with these daily microaggressions, you know, I, many times we go in the store and we'll be standing next to each other and the cashier would ask if we were together um, because if she sees, you know, Abiba likes to like, you know, pick up something at you know at checkout she would put it there and the person would like ask are you together as if like standing to defend my space of separation of my goods and services from her mm -hmm. and it'd be like no that's my wife and then they'd, they'd, they'd oh i'm sorry but see that's the kind of those little microaggressions or 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 being with her and it's not even just also because it's on layers not just race but it's also male female where they'll right. come and they'll talk to me first right like that day and, and then this, right you know. exactly or they'll look to me as if to get approval versus i'll be like wait you know what are you talking about you know so it's so th those are those the things now it's not about being overly sensitive it's just again being aware because your behavior is a reflection of your worldview that's really what it is because how you your paradigm is, is is the more technical way to look at it and so how your paradigm is in a way is your model of the world and that model then influences your behavior because that's that in a sense is how your framework of how you um, act and react to problems and situation events and people and stuff so so if your paradigm is very narrow then of course two people look like us or just like you melissa you and your husband is said then you must not be the same just like saying if your paradigm is the you know uh, uh, you know uh, gender relationships are not equal then of course you know you're going to direct who you think has the um, the power in the right. relationship and stuff. So, right. uh, so you know, those are those kind of things too. And then also just professionally, you know, many times, you know, uh, people would uh, mistake Abiba, not a mistake, they just assume that, you know, she's a nurse or she's- Nothing you know, wrong with those professions, No, but absolutely. the thing is you but don't assume always, anything. See, that's right. the thing. It's no more than you can't just look at a man in a suit and just assume that he's the CEO. Right. He's the president. Because why? Because he's male and he's in a suit, you know, mm -hmm. you, but that's the assumption made versus a woman who maybe stand there who's relaxed. And then you think automatically she's the administrative assistant. Right. Well, maybe it's reversed. He's, he's the assistant, but he's wearing a suit and she's the CEO. Right. But see, that's what I'm saying. It's all the paradigm. And so just being flat and then you just address Mr. Mr. Who, and then allow them to, to identify themselves. You already made it. So that's the, that's really the, Critical things, and if people become more self-aware, they can maybe kind of check themselves a little bit and be like, "Oh, you know mm -hmm. what? That's that. That's that's what I got to start looking at, and not just look at someone and just make these quick assumptions. Broad assumptions. Very broad assumptions. No, no more differently than people make assumptions that because someone's differently able, right? They they can't have a meaningful life, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," you know, blah blah blah, and and then they create this kind of pity thing instead of saying, well, let's learn about this person. Everyone has different gifts and challenges, right. you know, and, and, and celebrate them. So, but <laughs> that's my take. Thanks, Melissa. <laughs> this I think, I think he answered that pretty much. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yes. But now let's get into talking about how are you raising your kids? Cause you have three beautiful kids um, and keeping both your cultures alive with them. Cause I know it's pretty, it's gotta be pretty hard. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I think the unifying or I think what keeps us when you take, say culture, I think in the end, I personally do feel like, you know, an American um, culturally, the way I think about a lot of things is, is pretty American when I contrast it with say people that are just coming from Nigeria or, or anywhere else, I feel like my values. And so together, what we have in common is that in general, I think that our values are pretty American and, and definitely our children. Um, but what I do think we bring is this understanding that it's okay to be unique and to have that diverse background that we have and not to lose it, like you said, um, by introducing it in the form of food, by in the form of travel. Um, we're definitely a family that eats almost everything. We'll try everything, um, especially when it comes from something that we grew up with. So we've made it a point to have them appreciate foods that we grew up with and to try foods that we've maybe wanted to try ourselves growing up. So I think food is a big thing in our home in terms of introducing culture, uh, travel, television, when it comes to, of course, intelligent, uh, you know, shows that offer a different perspective. We have meaningful conversations with our kids trying to figure out what their perspective is and also teaching them things that they may not have learned in school, because unfortunately, in uh, most American classrooms, they really don't teach much about uh, significant things that people of color have done. Um, and so I think that's one way or another way that we help to teach them or show them our culture, if you will, culture. Because, uh, yeah, again, I don't feel like a pure or whatever, uh, you know, full Nigerian. Neither do I feel like a full uh, West Indian Jamaican person. So what we have together is being American. And for us, being American is a melting pot. What do you think? Or fruit salad. <laughs> or fruit salad. <laughs> or fruit salad. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of fruits. But um, oh yeah, no, I agree. With, I agree with all that. Yeah, it's it's those it's points of celebration, and I think also not shying away from the hard conversations, you know, mm -hmm. about um, inequities and about being part of the solution versus being part of the problem, and and because we have to have these hard conversations. Um, uh, in order to protect and uh, our children, but also to create greater awareness and to promote equity. Um, so, you know, so, yeah, so we have to have these discussions in regards to what is going on currently and then historically. And uh, so, um, and, uh, and, and also just to how to uh, basically live by the golden rule to treat others as you would have them treat you. So right. with respect and stuff. And I think the most important lesson is just how we treat each other. Mm. You know, that's the thing. See, it's not what you say, it's what you right. do. So, right, right. I mean, if you, you can you can say all these things, oh, I, you know, I don't see uh, race, uh, you know, everyone, everyone's equal. But then you go and you, you know, you're, you're rude to the wait staff or you're, you know, you, you say disparaging things about uh, women right. or you disrespect your wife or, you know, um, you engage in, you know, again, microaggressive or just, you know, just irresponsible behavior. And then you wonder why, 
Why kids are a mess. That, right. And you exactly. blame society. It's like the first lessons they learn is from you. So, right. you know, you need to be the best that you can be. And it's the same way, you know, you have to, you know, always bring your A game all the time or as, as much as you possibly can and always try to see continuous improvement as a, as a person, you know, while you're here in this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, I would say culturally, when you talk about like, yeah, how you treat your spouse, I think I've always been supportive of Kenton introducing um, whatever he wanted to about Vietnamese culture uh, to the kids. And I've always been curious about Vietnamese culture, the food, you know, um, the cult, the language, the clothing. Um, and it is limited how much we can introduce them to here in the U.S. at times. No different than it is limited how much I can teach them about being Nigerian or being Caribbean. And so that's where extended family comes into mm-hmm. play. Yeah. So, you know, my kids or our kids are very close to well, we're very close to our grandparents who have now passed, but also close to my mother. Um, and they've had opportunities to go to California where his family is. So that's where they also get another side of culture, if you will. Now, when they were growing up, did they, did you ever get the question, did you adopt them or where are they from? Because I got that all the time because my girls look nothing like me at all. They look just like your dad. I wish they would. Uh, well, no, not, not necessarily. At least I, I don't think so. I, I mean, we just got a lot of looks and we were generally were always together when it came with the children for the most part. I really, there was very few times because we had them as, you know, back to back. So it would have been very challenging, for example, for me to have three babies. They literally at one point were three babies in diapers. So I never had three babies all at once. We were generally together. Well, we had one toddler and then two in diapers generally. And we had a tandem stroller. You remember that? Yeah, I remember it. I I carried the stroller up and down in New York City. The point is generally outings or weekends, we were together. But we always got a lot of looks. Oh, the kids are so cute. Oh, the kids are so well-behaved. I think at most, when I think about uh, differences, as they've gotten older, perhaps, um, the two boys generally, I think, look what you would consider stereotypically look, black. The, the and Mariam looks very fair. The kids were so cute. I got to tell you okay. this. The kids were so cute. Her brother would take my boy, especially my oldest boy with him to the park and women would stop and he'd be like, oh yeah, this is, this is my uh, nephew. I'm just watching him so he could meet young ladies. So that's what, that's how that we, worked But out. you know what? We used to do that. We used to have a lot of like uh, nannies or people that we had paid to help take care of our kids and they would take them out too. And we would hear stories uh, while, while we were working that so-and-so saw your kids in the park and she, the nanny was claiming these were her babies. Yeah. So that was a little weird at times. Um, but I think, honestly, no, no one has ever said those aren't your kids. They just sort of stare or look, um, you know, tell us how cute they are. Uh, yeah, I think it's the good. Most part. Probably because they were shocked to see that they were my kids. 
I mean, he saw you and he thought, what a beautiful woman. She would have such beautiful kids. And he looked over and they're like, hmm. That's not true. There's got to be a story there. That's not true. <laughs> he must have 600 heads of goats. You know it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, I think the only thing when I think of difference is that I would say, like, the kids talking to them in general, I get that their experience for for the two boys, again, looking a little bit darker is that, yeah, nobody's ever mistaken that they weren't black. You know, sometimes they thought, oh, they look a little other or mixed with something, whereas Mariam, the youngest girl, uh, she gets where I asked her about whether she, you know, why she never really had a lot of black girlfriends, for example. And um, she's always said like, well, because the black girls don't talk to her because they don't think she's black. And the white girls don't necessarily bother her too much because they don't know what she is. She just looks like something else. So um, I remember when she we would have birthday parties and she would invite a black girl, I would be so excited. Oh my God, there's a black girl in the party because most of her, education, um, unfortunately, as much as we push them to, you know, do their best and to take AP classes and advanced classes, what would happen in small towns is a lot of those classes did not have, you know, black students in them. The majority of them were filled with white kids, Southern white kids. And so, um, you know, she didn't have that much or that much interaction at times in the classroom with the average black girl, which, you know, I used to think was a problem. But then now I think as she's grown up, she definitely has a good sense of her, who she is. And obviously having a black mother, I know she knows exactly who she is. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, she's, she's very political. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's very, as they say, woke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, more, more than her father sometimes. Is she more woke than the boys are then? I uh, no, I think the I think uh no it's just different. They're maybe. just different. I think you know, uh their expression, I mean they they they're very aware and again, like I said, we have the conversations. I've had conversations with my sons in regards to interactions with the police and and you know, uh the importance of, of de escalation and, and, and stuff like that. Um and sometimes, you know, sometimes well, how how to respond and behave. You know, and sometimes it's tough because there's sometimes it's scary in the sense it's like, you know, you can't control another person's perception of you and their perception. And if they really have no business to be in the law enforcement because they're just on edge and they're afraid and, you know, they're just, you know, spoiling for a fight. You know, it's it's just those things that, you know, as parents, it keeps you up at night. So, yeah, but um uh, but no, they, you know, so again, we, you know, we have those conversations and it's just, their expressions are different, you know, in the sense of, 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 you know, interacting, but it, you know, they, they'll, they'll see you too, or they'll make social comments on things, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah it's just different expressions of the, of the same, same issue. So that kind of, you kind of brought up a question I was going to ask, um, since you, your two sons look like you said, more black than than your daughter. Do you ever get scared when they go out by themselves at night or anything like that as a parent? 
Because I know I'm scared when my girls go across the country by themselves. So I can just that added extra layer is on you. I mean, right. you not to, I don't know if it's coming across the right way. I wanted to say it, but. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I would say fortunately for us being maybe to some overly protective parents, um, for example, you know, some people have pointed out, oh, your kids don't drive. You guys take them everywhere. Um, we are, we are pretty close to our kids and they have not had, they've not had to like go out and drive say on their own or be out there there's always been a purpose for why they were out somewhere it's either they're on their college campus or they're home with us we mm -hmm. weren't the type of parents that let them go well, out there with friends and stay the night that just wasn't us well they stayed i mean not often no i mean they stayed i no i mean they, but I mean, they weren't well, on the street like that. They weren't out there yeah, like maybe the typical yeah, no. American kids were. We weren't. We we don't do that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in that sense, I mean, you know, very structured. I mean, I mean, some of it's like, for example, you know, we said, okay, study to take your driver's license, and they said they don't. Why they have Uber? <laughs> that's what my oldest boy said. Right. See, so it's a different. It's it's like I'm saying. It's like dealing with a different. How do you respond to that? He's, you know, like he's like, Dad, I can, you know, because like he when he went and and he had a uh, he had internship. Uh, uh, he had a program he did right. at the National Institute of Health for research. And that was all the way in Maryland. And that was in Maryland. He was up there, and he he you know he got accepted for a competitive program. So he spent the summer up there doing research, and. Uh, you know, he, he, he ran a house with a bunch of other uh, grad students and stuff. And uh, he just he just either walked or took Uber. And he was just like, yeah, you know, I, that's I, why why did he need to do that? And then when he the same way, when he come home, he just take Uber and say, yeah, it's cheaper. And it actually made more sense because it's like, OK, he doesn't have to deal with a car, doesn't have to deal with gas, doesn't have to deal with insurance, doesn't have to have that liability, monthly mm -hmm. payments. Gee. Right. But I know that <laughs> that's smarter? not for that's not for every parent. And some people feel like, you know, they should be more independent and they should be out there driving. Yeah. But again, just the way our yeah. family has been. Well, yeah. It was just an opportunity to spend more time with the children. So we offer it. I mean, the things we don't sit there and go, you can't drive. Right. It's just that in a way we said here you because we're always, the, our perspective is that you give them the space for them to make their choices. They make their choices and, and, and you respect those choices as long as that they're not deal breakers, you know, right. but the one thing we do have, you know, again, bright lines are that you just don't just hang out just to hang out and be unproductive. Right. And that's where you get into trouble, you know, like idle hands, right. you know, uh, it's a devil's playground. You just don't, you just, you, you're going to do something, do something, but don't just, and you're going to hang out with friends, hang out with friends, but in a productive way, but just to go out and just go clubbing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a, you know, it's, it may be fun for a short term, but you know, it's, it's, it, you can get in trouble, but it comes up, you know, right. it's like I'm thinking, for example, let's say take Mariam. I mean, when was the last time Mariam went and stayed the night in somebody's house? Well, it's in middle school. I mean, really? yeah, then, yeah, it's middle school. Then uh, I mean, yeah. we've we've encouraged kids to come to our house, for example. You know, I'm the type of parent that wants to know what's happening and make sure it's safe. And 
you know, and that, that have they have food to eat and things like that. But the unsupervised, yeah, unsupervised. have your kids go yeah. to somebody's house, that's not us. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, a little unsupervised. You know, because that's not the kind of life I grew up with either. Um, yeah, I don't. So, if I don't know. Yeah, if I don't, I don't really know you. And then, right. I don't know. You got some uncle or some cousin that just hangs around. Right. I mean, it just, I don't know. It's just, and you know, many people go, oh, but it's like, no, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. You remember growing up? We had a lot of pictures on milk cartons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, remember and, kids, huh? and, and billboards, and it just you know because it was just that kind of you know hey go out play play out there go outside and now you think about it you're like mm, okay and just that but how you end up getting into trouble you know so here's and and now also with kids and also with technology and stuff there's a lot more focus and there's a lot more ways to connect and do other things you know so. Um, Right. You know, Which is, again, though, not to say that we can shelter them for the entire rest of their life or that nothing bad is going to happen to them. I'm, I'm you know, I'm sure um, like any adults, something eventually happens. We all have uh, we all will go through some sort of challenge yeah. that our parents didn't prepare us for. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully when they are really, really out there, they'll be equipped uh, and make the right choices. Yeah, by then I'll be in diapers. So. <laughs> yeah, bed, some real comfortable depends, you know. Right. Depends too. So he's silly. I will say one of the sweetest YouTube videos I've seen of you guys was when you were saying goodbye to your son when he was in Greenville in college. Mm -hmm. That was one of the sweetest videos ever. I was crying right there with you, Kenton. I was. I honestly was because my heart breaks when I see kids going off in the world too. Yeah, it's it's um yeah I'm a big softy and stuff like that. So um, you know every time my kids have gone out, um, you know I get I get you know it's just one of those things you know. Um, and then our daughter's going this fall, but it's going to be different because. That's the thing right. we're debating right now. It's an ongoing. It's really conflicted. Really conflicted because, you know, it's like, again, it's like, you know, dealing with the challenges of life and risk. Um, and, but at the same time, you can't operate through fear either. So it's, it's a really, you know, really life is about managing risk. You know, how, you know, when do you, you know, just like launching a new business, you know, recreating yourself, you know, all these things you know, finding a relationship. I mean, th there's risk inherent and you can lock yourself up and not take any risks, but then you never grow and you never, you never really achieve and, and, and find and, or exceed your true capacity. So, right. so you have to undertake risk. It's, it's, it's about managing it. So part of it is, is like, you know, do we operate in fear or do we present an example to our kids that, you know what, some, you got to just move forward. And even when things get tough, you just got to find a way forward and try to minimize those risks. So going back to school, it's like that. It's like, okay, you know, how do we give them the personal protective equipment that they need and so forth? So with her, she's not going to get that kind of experience that her brothers have gotten where since you come in, you take them into school, you, you make up their room, you say your goodbyes. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's some... There's, 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 there's that transition, 
Same thing when she graduated. Graduation was just not. Yeah, that was that was different. That was way different. It was just seeing, you know, we just moved in this little group into an empty auditorium on a stage with one person. And even then, gone. though, we were lucky because I know yeah. there are some parents who didn't get to go through any graduation. Any graduation, right. So, right. but still, so that's the kind of thing that defined that experience. And then now going to college, it's just like the same way. It's like for, for where they're going, it's a, it's a two-part. So we move them in, but they're not really moved in. We're just dropping their stuff off, set up the room, but then we leave. And then about two to three weeks later, we take them back and we basically drop them off at the curb. We don't even stop. They don't even say stop. They don't say you can't go up to the room. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, that's it. Have a nice life, you know, good luck. Right. And then you drop them off. See, so that's what I'm saying. So it's kind of like, and in a way, it's, it's, it's not only just for them, but it's also as parents, is that kind of like, um, you know, uh, uh, a way to, to navigate uh, uh, those, those transitions, you know, and, and, and in a healthy way. So, you know, you're not saying goodbye, but in a way you are because you're transitioning out of childhood and now you're moving into a new phase of your relationship. You know, like I, you know, like I would say to the kids, it's like, you know, when you're younger, it's more of a caretaker, you know, relationship. And then, but now as we migrate out and again, it's up to you now, it's more of a two part. It's now it's a coaching mentoring phase. It's like now, um, you know, where we're guiding you, but you ultimately you make the determination. We're, you know, and it's like being more of a consultant, a coaching. Well, have you thought about this? This is way. But in the end, you start owning more of the outcomes. Those outcomes right. are yours now, you know. And then eventually, the third phase is when I'm in diapers, and then you're you're taking care of my outcomes. <laughs> I'm a mess. So anyways, you go ahead and you say something meaningful. <laughs> now, I think you've said it all, but I was just thinking about the whole going back to college with COVID and being conflicted. I'm more of the, I'd rather be extremely careful. And I understand college is important. And, and this might be, you know, everyone's going to, every parent's going to feel different and you have to deal with your level of risk. But I think for me as a parent, I don't know how much is it worth it right now for them to quote go back to college or to start college uh i may even think of the idea of uh what do you call it a year off if necessary a gap year yeah a gap year if that's necessary you know um but again it is their choice i guess coming from the medical fields uh i understand that for a lot of colleges it is about making money and they need the kids on campus to make money, you know, in terms of their tuition and room and board. And I'm of the belief that uh, not at my child's expense. You, <laughs> I understand again, in education, I'm number one for education, very important. But I think if you can do, if we can do learning online, which they are doing anyway, if you can take classes online, they're all doing that now. I'm not sure I'm ready yet for them to go back to college or to go on campus with a whole bunch of other students from different places uh, and risk their health. So I don't know, maybe that's a little bit of a tangent. 
but that's kind of where I am as a parent. And I'm kind of interested to see what, hear what other parents are feeling or going through. Yeah. So that's the dynamic tension that's going on because I, I tend to <laughs> lean towards the risk. Like, yeah, there's the risk out there, but you know, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge and we'll so see we'll where see. we go. Time but will tell. Time will tell because time that's the thing. Tell, Things are changing. Know, nobody really knows. No. And then again, like I say, I mean, you had, I mean, Florida had a 15,000 case surge just the other day. I mean, it, it's like we, you know, things can turn on a dime. So it's, it's just really, really hard to say, but I know for sure that even if school goes back, you know, once we go also into flu, you know, into the height of flu season, things can rapidly deescalate. Uh, I mean, escalate. escalate yeah. yeah. Um, you know, where they're coming back home. So it's more about being able to prepare for that, that transition without them losing, um, you know, any educational value. Uh, during that time. So, so it's yeah. those things just preparing for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was one of those parents who was also affected her daughter. You know, my youngest aunt was also a senior this year, but she chose not to do her graduation because at that time, um, her sisters were both in California. One's doing an internship out there and the other one's getting her PhD out there. So she's like, mama, it doesn't mean anything to me because they're not here to share it with me. So I'd rather just not do a graduation at all because the wow. only person that could come would be you and dad. Right. I want everybody there to celebrate with me. So she chose not to walk. And even though it hurt my heart, I let her make that decision because it was her decision to make basically. Right. And, and, and you got to respect that. I, 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 you know, I respect that tremendously that someone, if, it, if someone comes to a decision and if it's done in a thoughtful way, well, it's their decision. And, and I applaud you as a parent to even to do that. Um, and I think that that shows tremendous, um, you know, uh, amount of strength to do that. Because sometimes, you know, those situations like that kind of also show you that, you know, if the difference between what, a ch you know, a young person, individual wants versus what you want. Do you want the graduation for them or for yourself? You know? Yeah. And sometimes like that's sometimes that's part of the, the thing is, is, is learning is that who is this really for? You know, and uh, so, but yeah, that absolutely. It's, it's, it's about meaning and it's how we create meaning in our lives and in each other's lives. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things I ever did as a parent was to watch my daughter and her then fiance, which is he's now her husband, um, pack everything they own in Greensboro, hook mm -hmm. their car up to a trailer and a U Haul, and drive clear across the country to go to grad school in California. That was the hardest thing ever, and not knowing, but you got to let them go sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I can totally relate. Yeah. Not for because our children have done it, but more because I have done that as a young person. <laughs> yeah. See, you know, there was one point in her life where she like hooked up with this guy and drove cops country. Um, <laughs> this a little closer, you know, actually. Yeah. Yeah, oh, drove, okay. yeah. Drove cross country and that blanket for graduate background? school. <laughs> that is not true. The only guy I drove up with or spent time went to California for was Kenton. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a detail. I yeah, left out. yeah. I used to live in New York, and uh, that was an important detail. Yeah. My mom's first daughter, first and only daughter, left her and went all the way to California. So I always now think back that it must have been devastating for her, uh, especially at the time as be being a single mom. So now I cannot imagine Mariam doing that. Can you imagine Mariam doing that? No. <laughs> <laughs> My dear <daughter>. uh, See? <laughs> uh, some, 
some fools. Uh, you know. so, do you see her wanting to do that, though? Sorry, what was that? Do you see her wanting to do that, to move across country? Or uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. She wanted to go to New York yeah. for college. She really wanted to go to New York, or she had this thing about going out and setting her own path. Yeah, yeah, she does. I mean, I mean, the thing is that, you know, you know, and Khalid's the same. I mean, he did the, in, a, in a short step. He went mm -hmm. to Maryland and, you know, went out and, and, and did that himself. Um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's for doing it for the right reasons. If you're just going out just because I just need to go out, get out. It's like, OK, right. but you don't have a plan or you don't have, you know, uh, an idea of, OK, what kind of resources are you doing? And what, what's your end goal? If you're just doing it just to doing it, then mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, it's going to be a recipe for for failure or even a challenge. You're just like, I'm just going to get married. Well, why? Because we're in love. We're, you know, well, I mean, you know, I mean <laughs> yeah. that's a good enough yeah, reason for saying No, it's not. <laughs> you don't think love's good? No, it's not. Now I got good sense to know that's not a good reason. Is that right? <laughs> right. Okay. So, that's why he got invested for a good pair of lift shoes, right? The two inch heels. If I had that, yeah, maybe things would have been quicker. I think we got married quick enough. Yeah, right? maybe. Yeah, we got married in our twenties, <laughs> so that was early enough. But we didn't have children till later. Yeah, so we didn't have children for six years after we got married. So we really had an opportunity to get to know each other really well, um, which is why, yeah, sometimes when I see young people that jump in and have kids so quickly and it doesn't work out, you're like, mm, you really didn't know him or you didn't know her. <laughs> You didn't have enough time to. But do you really know someone? Well, according to Will Smith, you really don't know someone, oh, even after how many years? 23 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we're all evolving. Truthfully, yeah, truthfully, you know, and I'm not making fun of Will Smith. Yeah, I love Will Smith Will. and I love oh, Jada Pinkett. I love them both individually. Um, definitely not. I feel for them. But no, you really. As long as both of you are growing, how well do you really know the person? Hopefully you're growing in the right direction. But what happens is sometimes one spouse is stagnated and the other spouse is growing in a totally different direction. So uh, we change, you know. Well, that's why relationships is work. I mean, it's, right. so that's why you have to work to connect and to, you know, check in. So sometimes, yeah, exactly. Right. If you grow apart, you have to work. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't work, you know, but that's where the basis is, again, is values and stuff. And so going back to interracial in relationships is, is that thing. It's the foundation is the values and and, and the love and, and, and right. common experiences. And you're basically creating your own history together and you um, and you yeah. celebrate those histories and, and milestones and stuff. Let me throw him a curveball. Has he ever dated? Has he ever dated? Let's see. <laughs> an Asian woman? Have you ever dated an Asian woman? I don't see race. You just said we that that, that makes no damn sense. You do see race. Huh? I don't see. <laughs> you did say that. I don't see race. <laughs> you did say that, Kenton. Right? Did he not say that? <laughs> Wait, I. <laughs> no matter what I now, when you have uncomfortable questions, here's a piece of advice. 
just start losing your sense of hearing. I can't hear focus, you. <laughs> you know, hey, how does this outfit make me look? Just start <laughs> pass out. Don't answer the question. It's great, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I like how he's avoiding it. <laughs> All right, have you ever dated a black woman before me? Hmm? Did you ever date a black woman before me? Or did you did you know when you were younger that you would date a black woman? That's a good question. How would I know? I don't know. But see, hey, here's an interesting fact. Here's an interesting fact is that, again, going back to studies, is that race is not an issue in regards to um, percentages of men. Men, basically, as a preference, have no preference if it's female. <laughs> As long as they're female. Right? All studies. Yeah, it's funny. It's like all studies show men are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but women actually have preference. So, like, for example, in regards to, like, African-American women are, are less likely to date outside of their race. The Asian women uh, will date or more likely to date outside of their race versus Asian men. Mm, Black? Right? Yeah. So, so it's You'll like see that more of, Asian women right. with none or other other right, than yeah, right. Asian men. So, so, so it shows that women have more of a preference mm -hmm. than, than men. Mm. So well, maybe because we get so much more pressure also. Is it pressure? To conform from well, family. I think that, I think also, also you think, you also think long-term mm. family, right? Relationships and stuff. Men <laughs> are happy in the moment. <laughs> so going back to what you're saying, studies show that did not answer no my question. I asked you a question. That That's all the research. I can't deny science. <laughs> <laughs> I already know the answer, but uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> you guys are a trip. So Habiba, tell us where we can find you guys. Okay, you can find us on YouTube. Just go put in both our first names, Kenton, K-E-N-T-O-N, -E and Habiba, H-A-B-I-B-A. -B -B so you can find us on Kenton and Habiba. We make lifestyle videos about family, food, uh, home and garden. And also you can find me on my blog, www.habibatunao.com, habibatunao.md.com. <laughs> So, yeah, that's where you can find me. And Kenton doesn't want to be found. <laughs> so if you want more of him, you're going to have to see us on YouTube. <laughs> Definitely on YouTube, because you actually did a thing about cufflinks with him the other day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Get over that stuff. Guys, I thank you so much for joining me today. This is a great conversation. I've laughed a lot. I've learned a lot. And I've heard Kitten says he's shy. He's not shy. I am. I'm very shy. <laughs> I'm an introvert. Yeah, you might be an introvert, but you're not really shy, shy. Well, you make it easy, Melissa. You're a fantastic host, and we really appreciate you. And all all things that you've done, and I know that you're going to be great, great success. Well, I'm trying to bring awareness to things, issues that people don't like to talk about, but they people need to talk about. Right, right, right.
Well, yeah, thank you, Melissa, and also continued success on chats from the blog, Cabin. Maybe one day we'll actually see it in real life. Every year, dropping your son off in Greenville, I'm like 45 minutes away. So wow! Oh, you're all the way up there. Yeah, I'm I'm near Greenville, so yeah. So Ooh, wow, right. come down anytime when you're down this way. Oh, appreciate that. All right, all right, guys. Um, I'm going to leave you with a brief word from our sponsor and then have a great rest of your day you too take Thank care you. hey y'all welcome to summer sunflower fields at odin farming company we'd love for you to come visit with us we're open tuesday through thursday and sunday from four to eight and friday and saturday from four to nine five dollar admission includes a visit with the pasture gang the playground the beautiful fields and three flowers to carry home so come see us at 1426 claridge nursery road goldsboro check out our website odomfarmingcompany.com or follow us on social media we sure hope to see you soon thank you for listening to another episode of chats from the blog cabin I hope you learned a lot from Kenton and Abiba. I love their stories, and they're such an amazing couple, as well as parents. If you're interested in checking them out, I will list their YouTube channel in the show notes, but you can always search on YouTube for Kenton, K-E-N-T-O-N, and Habiba, H-A-B-I-B-A. I love their perspectives about life. Now it's my turn to ask for your help. I'm planning a special episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin when I hit episode 50 and as you see I'm in my 30s right now where I have to turn the tables and I have to answer the questions so I really need you to send me your questions if you would go by my Instagram at frugal mom or at chats in the blog cabin and message send me a message there and any question that you would like answered I hope you have enjoyed listening to these chats if there are topics you would like me to cover please let me know honestly I'm up for basically any topic as long as there was, it's a respectful topic and people that are coming on are respectful for other people's views. And remember, these chats in the blog cabin originally start out as a Facebook Live, and then I repurpose them into YouTube videos as well as pod, this podcast. So if you miss any of them, or if you want to see the face behind the voice, you want to check out Facebook Live or YouTube. Thank you for being part of the Chats in the Blog Cabin podcast and family. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and to leave a rating or review. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Be blessed and keep chatting. And most importantly, right now during COVID-19, wear a mask.